Winston had a late evening dinner at 10 Downing Street with James. The air war had turned in England's favor. There was no doubt about that. For that reason, James thought Winston would have been in a better mood, but he wasn't. He was quiet and morose. James had seen this state of affairs before with Winston. The Prime Minister, especially during his years in the wilderness, could be subject to bouts of depression and indifference. But was that really different than anyone else who walked on the face of the earth? Perhaps it was just the fact that his ups and downs were of greater magnitude. James and Winston knew each other more than well. When you fight with a man in the trenches and see those around you die, everything is stripped away. Everyone is revealed as to who they really are. James said, Are you feeling well, Winston? A bit troubled. A bit of second guessing has cropped up. Well, the SIS has served you well. I'm sure the lad will be fine. No, perhaps this was all a bad idea. I knew Wolf would agree to go. I just hope his hatred for those who killed his parents won't cloud his judgment. Madeline came in and sat down. She sighed and said, It's much too late for all this. My dear, we were just mentioning our concerns for Wolf. Perhaps we should pull him out of there and send him back to Biggin Hill. He is, after all, a pilot. Madeline smiled. You mean ace? Of course. Madeline poured herself a drink from a decanter that was on the table. Sir Winston, don't take this personally. Let him go back. He won't be happy until he does what must be done. As in? Killing Siegfried Bockler. All wrongs must be righted with Wolf. Surely you know that he sees everything in black and white. I don't know if it must be part of his German heritage. Stubborn and single-minded. I wouldn't want to spend the rest of my life with a man who has any regrets. There's been enough of that in my family. My father has recovered, but the time lost can never be regained. Besides, anyone who thinks they can dissuade Wolf after he has made up his mind is sadly mistaken. Winston sat back. You do know him well. Yes, well, we're made for each other. And after all, it's your fault. You're the one who introduced us. It wouldn't be the first time I've been blamed for a momentary lapse of good judgment. Chapter 73 Dulwich Village The nightly bombing raid arrived on schedule. The drone of the twin-engine bombers can be heard overhead as they headed for London proper. Soon the anti-aircraft batteries which ringed the city opened fire. Tracers streaked into the sky, but few, if anything, were hit. The defensive batteries were more of a propaganda tool than anything else, meant to show the residents of London that action was being taken to shoot down the German bombers. When the lights went out inside the RAF annex, Wolf, Hans, and the man with no name slipped out the front door. The side gate to the compound was indeed open, and they simply walked through it. A sedan with blackout lights was waiting by a curb. A nondescript man opened the door, and Hans got in. Before Wolf did the same, the man nodded. Good luck, Captain Kruger. The car sped away and drove out of London. The flashes from the search spotlights and defensive batteries soon disappeared in the distance as the sedan drove north. The driver was just as mysterious as the man at the RAF annex. Wolf finally said, Where are we going? We'll be there soon. Try and get some rest. The charade was a joke, because Hans was fast asleep in the back seat. Wolf prayed that everything would go off without a hitch, and Hans could return to the annex. He toyed with the idea of bringing Hans along, but Major Hollenby had the operation seemingly laid out to perfection. As it was, that seemed to be the case. A half hour later, a car followed them through the dark and empty roads. They turned into the quaint town named Wells next the sea. Wolf figured that British intelligence planted the car. Soon they would make their move, 
But where was the e-boat? That was settled when the car turned onto a private pier. The driver flashed his headlights toward the channel and almost immediately was met with a series of return flashes from a German e-boat that was a few hundred yards off the coast. The engines to the e-boat turned over and made a run for the pier. The e-boat was a mirror image of an American torpedo boat. It was highly maneuverable and designed to operate in shallow waters. The boat's twin engines powered the e-boat to the pier. Wolf and Hans made a motion toward the boat. The car from British intelligence that had been trailing them turned on their lights and gunfire filled the air. The driver of Wolf and Hans's car pulled out a pistol and shot Hans in the back. He stumbled for a moment and then fell onto the pier. The driver got back in the sedan and turned it around. He accelerated and purposefully drove off the pier. More gunfire came from the British intelligence car as Wolf leaped onto the stern of the e-boat. More gunfire came from the British intelligence car as Wolf leapt onto the stern of the e-boat. 